0: Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Future Ear Radio podcast. A quick note on this episode, I recorded this conversation with Andy Bellavia and Carl Thomas at the end of February this year. Um, right as the pandemic was kind of hitting the US and not long after I actually shut my podcast down for about a month uh, as the dust settled with the coronavirus Um, and when I picked things back up I had every intention to release this episode and really just uh, things kept happening more and more relevant things that were timely and this got put on the back burner and here I am today releasing uh, this conversation and I really am glad that I am doing this because listening back to this I realize It's just a really, really great conversation that I hope you'll enjoy as I think Carl and Andy both make some really insightful points. Um, Additionally, uh, this conversation stems from a conversation that Carl and I had in episode 16 where we talked about hearables as a platform, um, which kind of spawned this conversation that we're having today, which is this whole notion of hearables aren't the thing, hearables are what give you access to the thing, which is a riff from the TV show, Halt and Catch Fire, Uh, which we go into a whole lot of detail about throughout this conversation. So I hope you enjoy my conversation here with Carl Thomas and Andy Bellavia uh, from February of this year. Okay, so we're joined here today by two reoccurring guests, Andy Bellavia and Carl Thomas. Andy was with us on episodes three and four of the podcast. He also did the um, emergence of hearables with me, uh, the panel at uh, Project Voice. So he's been on the podcast a few times. Uh, Carl was with me on uh, episode 16, Curables as a Platform, Um, and I wanted to bring these two together today because after we published uh, episode 16, I thought Andy had some really interesting feedback, Um, and so kind of like before I really open this thing up to uh, what we're going to talk about today, I want to give Andy the opportunity here to just share a little bit about uh, his feedback from that episode, episode number 16. So Andy?
1: Thanks, Dave, and thanks for having me on again. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast with uh, you and Carl. And I think really the key out of that whole uh, discussion goes back to Carl's original statement that hearables aren't the thing. They're the thing that give you access to the thing. I thought that was a really brilliant way of putting it. Uh, The question becomes as the field opens up and so many different use cases develop exactly what that thing is my own personal view is that ubiquitous voice is going to be the next big thing in the hearable space. And a lot of that earlier conversation was wrapped around that. I think what's holding it back right now is that there aren't so many hearable specific voice experiences available, but I think that's only a matter of time considering how popular hearables are becoming today, led by AirPods Pro and a whole lot of others in the wings.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, Andy. And uh, so that sort of leads us to this discussion, which we're going to have today, which is each one of us is going to go one by one and uh, share sort of like what we en- envision for what that implies, right? This notion, uh, going back to the analogy that Carl used, you know, coming from the uh, the TV show Halt and Catch Fire, in which the TV character, Joe McMillan, um, you know, this show, it's sort of set at the dawn of the internet, and he says computers aren't the thing computers are the thing that gets you access to the thing Um, and so we wanted to have a conversation today expanding on this idea it's something that we've all sort of been talking about online we've had some discussion on the podcast but we really haven't had like a real dedicated conversation to this so without further ado Carl I'm going to kick it over to you and let you sort of since it was you that you know kind of Brought this whole idea to to the forefront. I want to give you the first at bat here um, to share your thoughts on what you really meant by that.
2: Cool. Thank you, Dave. And again, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. And um, great to always have a chat with yourself and Andy about this. Um, So I'll be honest in saying, I don't think there is a thing per se. I think there's a number of things that are going to be facilitated by an audio centric um platform like hearables um but broadly speaking i think that there's going to be much more focus on service-led experiences that hearables can provide and the reason being that you've got something which is going to be in constant contact with our body so it's going to have a lot of physiological and situational insight around us individually and that insight is going to give us a lot more information, a lot more power broadly speaking, to provide some really compelling experiences. whether those experiences are—synchronous um, information, education, entertainment—I um, think there's a number of different things per se that hearables can really start to provide. Um, now, if you start to look at it from a, an industry perspective, obviously we've looked at um, you know health, wellness, fitness broadly speaking, and the different types of audio-led experiences that that can provide um, access to. But, yeah, I mean, to kind of be a bit disheartened, I don't think there's one thing per se. I think there's almost um, a, a convergence of a number of different things that hearables will give us access to.
0: Do you want to maybe go into a couple of those different things? because I agree with you. i I'm, I think when i'm when I'm going to present mine, I'm in agreement that it's. I don't think it's necessarily one specific thing. I think it's a variety of things. So share with us a couple of the different examples of what you think some of those things might be.
2: Well, it's hard to share specific examples, but I try and break it down as as much as possible. So the way I look at it, I look at it from almost a technology stack perspective. So what are going to be the the kind of systemic attributes of um, a platform that's going to exist on our ears? We've already talked about having constant access to our body, to our physiological and situational kind of uh, insight. Um, I think that there's going to be some level of, you know, very frictionless interface and voices come around over the last three years. And it's, it's just shown people that it's so much easier to talk than type, so much easier to listen than look. So I think that that's also going to be a, a strong component of this kind of platform. But then also as well, I've talked previously around, how we can start to leverage our data in a way whereby we can start to have a business model which exists without needing advertising. Um, so I think that that's going to be, and, you know, we can talk about some of the challenges with regards to either data warehousing, uh, you know, storage of data for big Bahamas, or we can talk about, you know, privacy challenges, or we can talk about some of the ways in which people are trying to monetize our data currently. Um, but I think that the rise of um, crypto economics as a potential model for at least software plays and potentially hardware plays could be really compelling for here specifically. Um, but then also, that's mainly from a technical perspective. When we start to look at it from a business perspective, when we start to look at how business models are now being innovative in terms of valuing a relationship with a customer as opposed to just trying to box shift, so to speak. I feel that you know the rise of software as a service, the rise of the subscription economy, It's given us much more a value-centric way of delivering platforms, delivering services, so that actually we're not just trying to provide a service. We're not just trying to to provide a device, provide a product in a world whereby customers, consumers, clients, they value services. So all of that combined, I feel that that will give us access to provide really compelling experiences that make up the thing. Um, and what those experiences, what industries those experiences can be in. I mean, you know, we can look at from a fitness perspective, provide an ongoing, you know, diagnostics to make sure that obviously you're performing, you're optimizing your exercise, et cetera. We could think about some of the macro trends in the health perspective around how we are having a massive shortage of hospital beds to patients and how we are starting to now have the largest obesity numbers ever seen. So I think in those specific industries, there's definitely a load of value that we can provide as a service to individuals because we've got that regular touch point and we've got that, that almost that synchronous kind of um, flywheel. But at the same time, I think it's a lot broader than that. We can't just look at hearables, or maybe we can, but we shouldn't just look at hearables in solid to an industry. We should really look at all the different types of applications they can provide and think through the breadth of services that they can provide in all those examples.
0: I love it. I love it. That's so well said. And I want to definitely come and circle back to a lot of the different points, like in, in my head right now, I'm just kind of like running through. I'm like, okay, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. So I definitely want to come back to this, but before I do, I want to give Andy now a chance to share his broader vision of where he sort of sees this, uh, the the whole Purables, uh evolution, you know, like what does this entail in your eyes, Andy?
1: Yeah. And, and I agree with a lot of what Carl said, it, it almost in the context of the broader wearables infrastructure, because Many of the things that he envisions can be done with a wearable, whether it's in your ear, on your wrist, or wherever, right? I mean, you look at how smart clothing is starting to come about and so on. So talking about hearables specifically, what makes that unique over the other wearable platforms is the fact is that you have a voice in your ear. And so Carl, for example, talked about interactive coaching. I think that's one of the the brilliant ideas that's really coming. There's a couple of companies already playing with AI coaching for when you're you're running or what have you, this sort of thing. But the common denominator in all the, the hearable applications that will come is the voice part of it versus, say, a wristwatch, right? A wristwatch can do health monitoring, too. But a hearable can give you an interactive AR experience, an audio AR experience, because the ear hearing is really <laughs> a parallel interface. This is something that uh, Nikolai Obragi brought up years ago when we were first working with him and why he although ultimately not successful on the hardware side, was approaching the idea of a computer in your ear, your ear is a parallel interface, right? I like to think of it this way, okay? You're with your significant other in a restaurant and background music is playing. It enhances the experience, right? But on the other hand, if over your significant other's head is the hockey game, and the Blackhawks just score the winning goal against St. Louis in overtime. <laughs> you are not paying attention to your significant other. You are paying attention to the hockey game, right? You can't do <laughs> both at the same time. And that's where audio really has a benefit. And, and you know, I have, because I have connected hearing aids, I'm able to play and experiment often. And more than once I've had the amusing experience of walking with somebody in an unfamiliar city. And as we're going from one place to another, like, Wow, you really know where you're going. I'm like, well, what you don't know is that Google's been telling me where to go the whole time <laughs> we've been talking, right? So in a lot of different ways, the AR audio experience is going to enhance our daily lives through hearables. And we haven't even talked about location-specific uh, hearable experiences yet.
0: Well, go ahead. Be our guest.
2: Before you jump in, I mean, I wanted to kind of, if I if can, okay, just go right ahead. You said um, so I agree with, again, with a lot of what you said. I think the thing that I may challenge slightly is the common denominator, not the common denominator, but basically the voice being the differentiator. Um, I do like the aspect of voice constantly being in our ear, so to speak, or you know, having the ability to have some form of uh, you know, vocal assistant in our ear. But I think, I used to talk about a concept known as audio as a service quite a lot. Um, because voice is just one component of an audio ecosystem whereby we can start to get so much value from audio broadly speaking. And, you know, I I know you've written about this, Dave, in terms of their oral attention economy um, and, you know, some really prescient insights in, in those posts. I just think that away from voice, the real compelling differentiator that headphones, hearables, hearing aids, broadly speaking have is the focus on audio. And when I say the focus, I'm talking about the ability to almost close the loop in terms of having some form of insight around us, but then also providing an audio-based experience based on the insight. If we take voice out of that completely, we can start to provide so much influence on someone's scenario, someone's specific activity or event that they're taking that they're doing in that, in that given time, based on the audio which they hear. So, for example, if they are in the gym, then they can start to use music, which is specifically heightened, specifically um, chosen to heighten that experience of being in the gym. Now, we know music has a transformational effect in terms of you know, trying to provide some form of emotive experience. You look at the fact that the World Health Organization last year came out and said that 64% of millennials use music to overcome stress and anxiety. So there's a number of um, you know emotional benefits to accessing music in a way whereby it's relevant to us specifically you think about how people are now starting to um, develop podcasts and consume podcasts in essence in, instead of maybe doing some form MBA as Tim Ferriss likely, likes to say there's a load of insight and a load of knowledge that's obtained via different types of audio platforms that's available to people now and if we can now start to shape how that's provided based on the relevance of that audio to someone. I feel that as a loop, as a feedback mechanism, that's so, so powerful. And from my perspective, if you overlay that with a voice interface, which gives someone the ability to either select, choose, or then start to provide a number of different types of services outside of that, cool. But from my perspective, the real differentiator with hearables, headphones, anything that sits in my ear is, yes, it's a parallel interface. And I think there's a load of value to providing audio content, which is relevant to an individual based on that data you're getting from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That last, I think is really brilliant. You know, when, when you first started discussing, I'm thinking, well, we're getting into the slippery nature of the definition of hearables because even 15 years ago, I would see people running with a music player strapped to their arm and wired earphones going to their ears, passively consuming audio. Right. And so that's a little bit different than building the intelligence into the earpiece, which is what I think of as being hearables. but now the last thing you just said, I think is really brilliant the possibility of of tailoring for example the music you're listening to based on your emotional state. this is a sort of thing that's really intriguing and another aspect of of hearables, which I think has some value
0: yeah no, I agree with. Both of what you're saying, uh, so let me let me give my perspective here because uh, it's funny, you know, when I first started blogging, I, it's not as if like my um, overall thesis has changed a whole lot. I have just it's become more refined over time. And so I have a couple of presentations that I'm going to be giving here soon. And so this has been really top of mind because I've been trying to really flesh out what exactly it is that I'm trying to communicate here. And I think what it all boils down to is that uh, I've, I've really identified three major things that I kind of see hearables serving as a conduit to. Um, the first one is the audio internet. Okay. And so what I kind of refer to this as, is hearing aids or hearables as Uh, a content machine okay and so I think kind of to Carl's point um, it is the access point in which you access this way you know this burgeoning audio internet I think like the way in which we're seeing media sort of gravitate toward this new interface and this new modality uh, I think is representative of just kind of like the broader shift that it's the Daniel Eck thing that I constantly talk about. Are our eyes really worth ten times more than our ears? I think that people are realizing that our eyes are oversaturated, and therefore, there's another avenue that we can consume content, and that's orally, right? And so, I think that that's one piece of it is the the whole audio fa- interfacing of this. Without any voice assistant, you know, just the access point into uh, this broad world of content. The next point is the data collection piece, right? A hearing aid or a hearable as a data collector, as I call it. Uh, I think there's two types of data. There are the physiological biometric data that is um, gonna be just more robust in time as more s- types of sensors and more sensors become embedded in these different devices. Uh, so you can capture, you know, through the different like PPG monitors, for example, you're graduating into new metrics that you can capture. Uh, and a, lar- a large part of that is due to the machine lear- learning algorithms are getting better and they're able to make more sense of the data. The other type of data is all of the emotional data. I know Carl has some thoughts on this too, um, but it's, you know, this idea that there's going to be. Uh, different types of uh, emotional data, whether it be your well being, your mental state, um, that can be captured through a combination of the way in which you communicate with uh, your headphones uh, and also the way in which your uh, consumption habits are working. Uh, and then the last piece is sort of the connective tissue of it all, is the way I think of it, which is the voice interface. And, you know, I just listened to um, Nick. Uh, Myers podcast, the artificial podcast, where he interviewed Brett Kinsella. and Brett said something that really caught my attention, which is that um, he said that the really the big revolution here, it's not as much like voice technology because voice technology has been around for a while. It really is the voice assistant, and I think that's pretty interesting because the way I perceive a voice assistant, you know, really maturing in time is almost like a, I, in my mind, I think of it as like an orchestrator, you know, like a conductor, uh, in, in, in a symphony. And so, um, where I really see this going is, uh, it, it you layer that onto the different, uh, these different sort of broad reaching use cases, right? So you go back to the audio one, um, you know, the, the idea that this is a content machine and I view voice as being a, uh, just a user interface, but also a, user, a UX experience um, where you're, you know, you're kind of like able to uh, work with your voice assistant to help you to better access that content. So for example, I think like down the line, what we might see is um, through a, a much more contextually aware assistant, it's able to surface to me um, things based on the data that it's you know, also accessing, uh, you know, the emotional data, it has a better sense of the type of music that I might want to listen to that day. It might have a better understanding based on my consumption habits of the type of podcast that I'm not fully aware of. Um, you know, the micro audio that's available, I might say, you know, Hey, voice assistant, Hey Siri, whoever, um, I want to listen to 10 minutes of podcasts, uh, at, you know, one minute clip each around, um, you know, around like the coronavirus, And I, you know, so it understands the different sources that I prefer. Uh, so it's more intelligently feeding me that information. I think the same thing goes with the data as well. So you take that data and you create this intelligent layer on top of it, because I think it's one thing to be capturing all this different type of data, but I think where you really take it to the next level is having this proactive assistant constantly giving you insight into what the data is, You know what's being found in the data so it can be you know basically wearing the hat of a nurse you know hey there are uh worrisome findings in your data we might need to get you into the doctor because the benchmarks that it's established, it's noticing deviations from it. Um, It could be a nutritionist, right? Like I'm basically communicating with it, all the different things that I'm eating. And it's, you know, advising me based on the goals that I've set, like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't eat that (laughs) type of thing. So that's kind of the way that I look at this is that I think you're both right. I think that uh, voices that uh, particularly the voice assistant, I think is the intelligent layer that helps you to uh, more easily access the audio internet and more intelligently access um, all of the you know in- insight that's being gleaned from the data that
2: it's capturing. Really succinctly put, and um, yeah, wholeheartedly agree.
1: Yeah. Andy yeah, and I think you know we 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 mentioned it briefly earlier but uh, the ability to do location specific voice experiences yeah. dovetails in the way you're talking about as well. Uh so I'm on I'm on a street you know and it's 12:30 my assistant in the end with you know more intelligence uh, than you know is really available today but you can see it coming might say it's 12:30 are you hungry I mm-hmm. am hungry. Yeah. Uh, are there any good Mexican places near here? <laughs> Why, yes, they're so-and-so, you know, so far away. Would you like to hear some reviews? Yes, please. You hear a couple mm-hmm. of reviews. Okay, take me there, you know?
2: Mm,
1: you know. You know, I'm looking down the street and I'm like, hey, play some Bob Marley while I'm going there, you know. <laughs> and, and so I've got the whole experience going. Or I'm walking randomly and I stop in front of a restaurant mm-hmm. and I say, can I have some reviews of the place, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can localize where a person is and for know where that person is and give a specific experience. There's work being done on the in-store experience. When I walk in a store, uh, of course, I've opted in to be connected to their in-store experience. You know, I might say, uh, where are the tomatoes? Oh, the tomatoes are in aisle three. By the way, if you're making a salad, cucumbers and lettuce are on offer, uh, go to aisle two, you know, this sort of thing. So that you can really have an interactive experience based on where you are at that moment, what time of day it is and what you're doing. I think that's really an interesting aspect of the hearable voice assistant that's different than when you're at home in a fixed location. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: I agree. And one thing I just want to say to this is, um, you know, kind of to piggyback on it a little bit, you know, the conversation I just had on the podcast with Pretty Mood Gill of Periphery, um, you know, what what's really interesting about that is I've personally had a, an evolution in my mindset of how I've thought about that. Um, I thought initially when I first heard about that, like four or five years ago, I was like smart earrings. Like, yeah, maybe there's a a niche market for that, but the more that time has gone on and, you know, to Andy's point, like this idea that uh, from like the wireless standpoint, the wireless innovation that's happening, like Bluetooth LE audio um, and this idea of being able to broadcast, I actually think that changes the equation in my mind completely because now you're talking about you wear these things right you're wearing smart earrings and you have i i envision it like you basically have enabled um that you can be inbounded with different broadcast messages and i think that kind of to your point you know i'm like envisioning walking around a shopping mall and i'm like walking by a store and i'm getting some sort of message from that store you know it's it's a promotional message These are the deals that we have, you know, and and you can kind of like apply this to any type of retailer, any type of merchant out there, you know, from a geolocation basis. And that, in my eyes, makes that so much more compelling as to like, oh, OK, so that's a big reason why I would wear something like that is. You know, I want to be able to sort of like invisibly and seamlessly access that type of insight. Um, that's not super intrusive, but at the same time, it might be something that's really valuable to me, uh, and that alone might be the main reason why I wear a device like that.
2: Yeah, so that's I, a really I, interesting per- standpoint. Sorry. Oh, please. <laughs> no, I was going to say, Andy. Sorry, that's a really interesting standpoint, Dave. Because, bearing in mind, we've had Bluetooth beacons, we've had. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to provide broadcast messages over Bluetooth for the best part of almost 15 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a really fine line around what is intrusive and what's not. And also as well, even that fine line is subjective. So I think the, the thing that hearables can bring to that, that situation is actually an understanding of what we believe actually is valuable to us from a messaging perspective and how we can then start to provide a permissioned interface whereby retailers, um, you know, services around us can then start to contact us based on that fact that we're in proximity and also we've provided them with that that agreement to be able to, be able to give us some access to their service or some discount. So I, I'm just conscious that a lot of people have talked about this utopia whereby we're walking through a shopping mall and we're getting loads of you know notifications based on some form of context. I'm just... Yeah we've gone through that in history previously uh, what's going to be the differentiator now we're going to go through it again yeah, yeah and that's, i, I that's, totally
1: agree it, it very much has to be an opt-in kind of experience and people are very going to quickly be turned off on the whole idea if you're constantly bombarded with messages. Yeah. opt-in is the key yeah opt-in is the key so but imagine i mean here i'll give you an example what i think would be really valuable let's Let's say I'm TripAdvisor and I get all the restaurants who are rated and part of TripAdvisor on this program where they have the Bluetooth broadcast beacons. And I opt in for the service where when I stop in front of a restaurant, I get a quick brief about it. If I'm walking by, I don't get one. So I'm not, you know, hearing a message of every shop I walk by. If I'm going, you know, a kilometer from here to there. But if I stop in front of a place, I start to hear a little bit about the restaurant, right?
0: Yeah. It's a
1: sort of my choice because I've stopped and also my choice because I've opted into the service in the first place.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I think that Carl, to your point, like what's different now, you know, so I'm going to bring this thing full circle. I think that this really only works in a scenario where you have a contextually aware voice assistant, because I think the voice assistant is actually the mediator for you. And what I mean by that is imagine that the voice assistant has, you know, a pretty good understanding of the types of things that you would be looking for. Right. So, Hey, you mentioned that you're in the need for new shoes. Um, You know, Adidas is four stores down on the left and they're running a special right now uh, or foot locker, you know, like, That again, we're not nearly there yet, but I kind of see that as being uh, the real value of the assistant is that it actually is serving as an assistant, but the only way in which you would be able to have it, you know, performing that type of role is if it has a really deep understanding of you. And that's where all of the, you know, the whole discussion around, are we comfortable with sharing that level of, you know, data with them?
2: Mm, And I completely agree with that. There needs to be, you know, some form of permission. It makes sense for that permission to be held in intelligence layer of kind of how we interface with this audio based Internet. I guess another question which kind of comes from that then, and it'd be cool to open this up to both of you in terms of who holds that value of providing the service, i.e., is this something whereby we're now starting to become more entrenched in the centralized networks of Google, Amazon, who provide us with that voice interface and therefore hold the intelligence, hold the value? Or is this something whereby we can start to envisage some form of either distributed or even decentralized kind of service where actually the value is held by a number of different types of interfaces whereby maybe Spotify have their own music-based voice interface, space or... Maybe, um, I don't know, Subway have their own um, voice interface, which we uh, start to, you know, transition or interface with whenever we're trying to walk past the Subway. So I, I think it's a really interesting um, question and point to kind of think about. I guess, yeah, my challenge is, OK, well, if we're developing these systems, who's going to actually be the, the data platform we're going to be beholden to now?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. We're currently going to be feeling our way through everything about the coming uh, hearables infrastructure. What are consumers going to see as valuable? Who's going to provide that experience? It's very much a, a nascent industry, and a lot of those answers aren't known, and I think there are going to be more failures than successes, but the successes are going to be brilliant when they come.
2: Completely agree, and I think that the challenge that we have as you know, in terms of societal is that we 've just gone through a whole awakening <laughs> whereby we 're now so conscious that in essence we are the product right? mm-hmm. we've gone through the challenges of the Cambridge analytica Facebook, whereby we know that we are being monetized for our data we're moving into a world whereby something is going to be pretty much permanently sitting on us collecting data which is unique to us right so how do we understand that first of all we are giving that thing permission and we are given the, the kind of overarching platform permission to use that data. And then secondly, that data is gonna be used in a way whereby it's visible to us and for a reason which is gonna be serving us ultimately. Right? And I think if we start to sleepwalk into uh, an era whereby we're gonna have a similar level of platform which is going to be monolithic and going to going to be kind of sucking up all our data to basically provide some service which may not actually be beneficial for us but more beneficial for them as a platform provider what's what can we do to kind of you know stop that from taking place what can we do now to think through some of these ethical challenges around who's going to be providing the value for us in this service and how can we start to be involved in that kind of in that kind of value chain as consumers, as data architects, as platform providers, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. No, I think you're spot on. I, and this is going to be the ultimate, th- this is going to be where it all boils down to is the data privacy aspect of this. And uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if if it's going to be something that, like you said, we just sleepwalk into. Um, but, you know, I, 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 th- I, I tend to think that there is a possibility for there to be more good than negative and um you know you look at companies like apple i you know if you like see some of the commercials that they've had in the last like two years they have things that are you know it's like all around like you know it's like the apple logo transforms into a lock so clearly they're positioning themselves as being uh the data um the the champion for data privacy and all that so I'm not sure. I think that's going to be the piece, but I think we all sort of have an idea as to you know where this thing might broadly go. I love everything that everybody here has said. I, I mean, I think that there's going to be a combination. I think you let it off perfectly, Carl, with this idea that you know it's probably going to be a multitude of things. It's not to say that you know curables uh, are the things. hearables are the things that get you access to the thing, and the thing is like one specific thing. I think it's more of the this spectrum of kind of like as you now have enabled this whole intelligent layer what can you do with that so i'm really excited for it um i'm not gonna like just continue to uh beat a dead horse here so i'm gonna kind of wrap it up here but before i do do you guys have any last thoughts about this whole thing
1: uh i'll just say that although it's not really well defined exactly what the future will bring when it comes to the hearable space it's clearly coming And it's really going to be seismic the way it changes uh, the way we conduct our daily life. And I, for one, am very much looking forward to the possibilities.
0: Yeah, you're kind of like already on the forefront of where this is going, Andy, with the fact that you're already wearing like an all-day voice-first device. So I always find it keep vlogging. Uh, please keep vlogging, even if it's in the pouring down rain, um, because <laughs> uh, because you know I think it's I think it's fascinating to kind of see like what this actually looks like. Um, Carl, what about you? Anything? Any last? Things? Yeah,
2: um, I think just to echo that. I'm incredibly excited, which is why I'm a bit evangelical about the process yeah. of- those stuff that's going to be on our ears permanently. At the same time, I'm just, I try to caveat my natural enthusiasm with it yeah. around, okay, look, how do we make sure that we are developing something, which is, um, which gives us some form of involvement in the value chain of what's going to be the crucial part of that whole kind of system, i.e. the data. So, um, yeah, actually yeah, enthusiastic, naturally evangelical, but at the same time, it's just about being, preaching a bit of caution.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I think it's always good to have a healthy dose of skepticism, especially from those that are most bullish on it, uh, which I think th- the three of us all are uh, collectively very, very bullish. So that's okay, all we got for awesome. this week. Uh, thank you for everybody who tuned in and we will chat with you next time. Cheers.
1: Thank you, Dave. Thank you, thank Carol. You, Thanks, Andy. <laughs>